You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. We have the crew from the Retro Fanfic Retrospective Podcast in our virtual studio today. I love their podcast. I've been meaning to have them on the show for a while now, and I am so, so happy that they are finally here. I will let them tell us what their podcast is all about in a few minutes. So for now, just let me introduce the crew. First, we have Amato. He's the fearless host and captain of the Retro Fanfic Retrospective and does a fantastic job coordinating the show and steering the ship. We also have co-host Tori. They bring a fabulous lit crit background to the show with a delightful sense of humor that I love. And we also have Della here. She's the editor and tech mastermind behind the show. She's also my happy hour buddy and my favorite informant on all things retro fanfic retrospective. Thank you all so much for taking the time out of your weekend to join us. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome to FFM. How are you? Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, and Chaos Blue, thanks so much for that like wonderful introductions. Usually when we have a guest on, I say, oh, here's our guest. They were willing to come on our show. <laughs> <laughs> they answered our email. <laughs> I had a moment too where I was like, that's so nice. Well, yes, I've been listening for over, uh, I think it's over a year now. You all had me on your show as a guest last year, which was so much fun. I had a blast doing that. And I've been wanting you all to come on my show. And you know how it is when you get old, time flies. So I didn't even realize how long it had been. And then I thought, oh my God, <laughs> I need to have the retro crew on. So I'm so glad that you're here. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited. Already too much flattering. I don't know how to handle this much positivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a reason Stella hides in the background. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a weird middle child thing where I want attention, but I don't know how to handle it once I have it. <laughs> I know. Well, I really appreciate that you're here too, Della, because I know that you usually stay behind the microphone handling the tech stuff in the background. So I'm super happy that you came on and you're going to talk to us today with everybody else. So that's super, super cool. So just in case there are any poor souls out there who have never listened to your podcast, can you tell us really quick what your podcast is all about? Sure. We're essentially a book club for old fan fiction. And by old here, we're talking fan fiction terms, so it doesn't have to be that old. I consider something retro as in the title, if it's like 15 years old. Practically ancient, like no one's talking about it anymore, right? And the premise of the podcast is that we're trying to read good stories. So my rule is we have to have some reason to think that the fanfic we're reading might be good. And sometimes we have like a really strong recommendation or something's just really highly regarded by the fandom. And other times we're trying to read about a fandom that doesn't really exist, and I have to say, well, this has a lot of likes on fanfiction.net, so uh, it might be good. That's a that's a reason. Yeah, and just uh, to clarify, uh, Amato's the one who started this project and the one who, like, 
picks all the fanfics, basically. So, like, he's got a lot on his plate in terms of that. I just show up and talk. I want to read. I have to read it. Sometimes they're long. I, I have to do some reading. But yeah, this is kind of like Amato's passion project. And it's been really, really fun these last three and a half years. Yeah, it's been interesting because Amato was always talking about fanfiction ever since I met Amato back in uh, middle school, I think. So since then, it's a topic that you know, Amato's fascinated with it, they talked about it. And at some point I was like, you know, I, I bet I could make a podcast out of this. <laughs> That's not quite how I remember it, Della. Tori, you were, uh, you've been describing like me as the driving force behind this podcast. But Della, I remember you coming to me asking, like you wanted to do some kind of, you know, audio project, like maybe a podcast or something, but you weren't sure what to do. And did I have any ideas? And that's <laughs> the point when I said, well. Yeah, I mean, I trusted Amada to have a topic about that, that you'd want to talk about. I, I always like listening to you. I figured other people would too. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, I'm so glad that you all are talking about this because that was going to be the next thing that I kind of wanted to dive into. Because I know that your show has been around since 2018. Was it August? That yes. sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, August of 2018, I think is when I saw the first drop for your podcast. So y'all been around for, for a while. In podcast years, that's kind of a long time. <laughs> um, so I did kind of want to ask, like, how did this all come about? Because for some reason, I always had it in my brain that Amato, like, this was kind of your brainchild, right? And that you kind of gathered your crew and, and put it all together and stuff. But it sounds like maybe it was a little more... I don't know, involved than that. Could you maybe go into a little bit more detail about how this all got started? Like, when did you first start thinking about doing a podcast like this? I think technically that is on me. I have a dream of someday when I, after I grew up, of being like a voice actor, <laughs> a voice performer. And these days, I mean, if you read a, a lot of the material online, anybody that talks about it, you have to be your own um, audio engineer and producer also. You have to know how to record audio, how to get good space for it, how to... And sometimes you have to know how to edit it afterwards. And I wanted that sort of hands-on experience, but I need... I think I might have some sort of like interest-based attention span, so I can't just do it for no reason. I wanted to create a project I'd be interested in in order to practice those techniques. And I approached a motto with the concept. I was like, hey, if there's anything you want to do a podcast about, I'd be willing to put together the equipment and the engineering and figure out how to edit sound. And I also thought it'd be fun to like talk on microphone for a while. Uh, Mato, Mato came back with the concept of fan fiction that's old. We've mentioned a few episodes recently that in internet years, old fan fiction could be like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it, it is that way. And sometimes we break our own rules and it's just we do something new because we really want to. Yeah. But it's true that like the lifespan before something kind of fades into the mists of obscurity and, you know, can be plucked and, you know, talked about again and, you know, shown off to the world again. It's pretty short. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. We were talking before we hit record, but I had a job where I was by myself in a pit all day. So I had, had to get together like four or five hours of podcasts to listen to every day. And so I had like a sense of how podcast flow works. And once I came to Amato with, with the idea of doing a podcast, Amato came with the idea for the actual podcast. Like we talked and it's like, okay, about formatting, like how would this work? And they're like, oh, for a discussion, you know, who's great talking about literary stuff and has lots of opinions is really cool and great, great to listen to Tori. <laughs> so we, we approached Tori with it and 
luckily they agreed, and I think they've added a lot of legitimacy to a lot of our conversations. And we got the equipment together. We did like eight test episodes beforehand. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! <laughs> yeah, I don't think we recorded four. I think before we released any. I remember eight. I, I lettered them. I got through like G, I think. It was wow. A, B, C, D, E, F. Yeah, because I think we had four that were like successful, but we had to re-record some. And I don't know. We had some, uh, we were using Audacity and no backups, just recording with Audacity in person in a room. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> um, we could all be in the same room together. So yeah, we had a lot of trouble with that. And I've had to be the sound engineer a couple times and I've, had super issues with getting audacity to work right so but i think your uh, assertion that amato is the driving force behind the podcast is completely 100 percent correct um, amato is the soul of it came up with the idea of what the podcast was about set the parameters of it and amato finds the fanfics every week and we can't like downplay how important that is for a fanfic book club podcast <laughs> right the first year or so, Amato shared like the master doc with us about what fanfics he was considering, where he was pulling from. But like after a while, we just stopped looking at it because it was way too much information oh to process. <laughs> it was so much, and that's why some like I often say like I'm the one who just shows up because Della does all of the amazing audio engineering for us, and Amato does all of this work. Like I don't think people realize how much effort he, you know, I think Della's pointing to it. He puts into finding these stories because. I tried one time to find us a good Digimon fanfic, and I did not succeed. And it took me, I spent like a week looking for it, digging through, because you'd find something and be like, oh, that's too long. Oh, that's not finished. Oh, that's not old enough, because we have the retro cutoff, you know? Right, right. So, well, to be fair, Tori, according to you two, I still haven't found us a good Digimon fanfic either. Someday. <laughs> that's true, but it, it might not exist, because... Hey, hey, anybody listening has a great old Digimon fanfic? Send in that rec, please. Yes! yes please. <laughs> yes! The quest for the perfect Digimon fanfiction continues. That's so funny. I love that. Okay, so let's back up just a little bit here. This whole conversation about starting this podcast, did this happen in 2018? Is that when this whole conversation kind of went down between the three of you? We were chatting about it at our friend Galen, friends Galen and CJ's wedding. So when was that? I remember that we like Amon and I stepped out of the wedding in order to like get away from the noise, and we talked about listening to the first episode we recorded just amongst ourselves, crowded around the Blue Yeti microphone, and like talking about like, yeah, I think think this is a format that could work. Yeah, it seems interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and that would have been summer of that year. So yeah, it happened pretty fast once Stella, you know, kind of approached me about it. Okay. Now, Tori, when you were approached for this project, like, what were your initial thoughts about it? What, what were you thinking when they approached you and were like, hey, let's do a fan fiction podcast? You know, I'm so glad you asked me that because I honestly, I don't know, I probably mentioned this before on our podcast, but I was actually sort of dubious about it. Like, I hadn't read fan fiction since I was like a teenager. And I don't know what was going on in my head at the time. I guess I was gosh, yeah, 29 years old, I was thinking like, I don't know, I just, I didn't have a lot to say about fanfic. And I, I also had this sort of impression that like, oh, you know, a lot of fanfic's not good. Like, what is this gonna, am I gonna end up being really critical? And, and I have changed my perspective so much just through doing this, because I've read so much amazing fanfiction. And I've rediscovered how 
this sense of community can come about, you know, from these fan communities. It's kind of amazing. I feel like I've opened myself up to a whole new world just from doing this podcast. But yeah, no, I wasn't a fan fiction person. And now I totally am. I love that. I want to ask you a little bit more about that, Tori, because that interests me so much. So it sounds like you did have some background with fan fiction when you were younger. When you say younger, are you talking like middle school or high school or? Yeah, middle school and high school. I think by the time I was in college, I really, I mean, I've always been like super nerdy and love sci-fi and fantasy and anime and manga and I don't know, Western animation too. But I just didn't, I don't know. There's a certain point where I dropped off in terms of caring about fan fiction or I started to feel like, oh, well, you know, I don't fit in these fan communities or especially, you know, a lot of people around me were making fun of these fan communities. Like I'm talking when I was in my early mid twenties and I went, oh, okay. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Right. A lot of public opinion right now about fan fiction back then. And now, you know, a lot of people have, like you said, dubious opinions <laughs> on fan fiction right. and what it is. And sometimes that can be kind of tough, right? To kind of deal with that and be like, oh, well, shit, are they right? Like, what do I think? And so I think you had mentioned to me one time, because we, you know, we've talked <laughs> for, for a while, ever since I was a guest on your podcast. And I think you had mentioned that you kind of had like a really soft background with fan fiction before. And so when I went in to prepare for today's show, I had wanted to ask you like, you know, how your opinions on fan fiction have changed and evolved by participating in this type of a fan fiction podcast show. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think I was I was skirting around it a little bit before because I feel a little embarrassed to say that I think, you know, I didn't like I even tried to write some fanfic when I was like middle school, high school age. But, you know, that was back in the early 2000s when I don't know, the internet felt a lot more limited and insular and there weren't like a lot of search engines and ways to find things. So you just sort of like clicked through websites to your various communities. But, you know, and I, I liked that. But as I got older, I drifted away from that. And all I had around me were just, you know, I had some friends who were just sort of saying, like making fun of fan fiction, essentially, fairly often, just the very idea of it. And I, I just didn't have a personal opinion. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. But I never really said anything about it. And I'm, I guess I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't think about it until Amato approached me with this idea. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I could read fan fiction. And then I went, wait, why am I treating fan fiction different than any other type of literature, differently than any t other type of literature? And there are, I mean, obviously you don't have the same barriers to publication, but often that's a good thing because people get stuff out there that wouldn't otherwise get out there. And especially, you know, there is bad fan fiction, don't get me wrong, but there's so much really good fan fiction. I don't know, I know there's this thing, um, oh gosh, I forget, it's the creator of, uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name now, but uh, the Ramona series, I think she yeah, said- Yeah, really clear. That, that anecdote came up in an early episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, Amato's dad brought this anecdote up in our uh, Sifi episode, but that she just hated that the kids, the teachers were having kids write fan fiction of her characters. Because she was like, why don't they come up with their own characters? And I think in my mind, I was sort of feeling the same way. But I completely rethought that because, gosh, who doesn't want to see, you know, an, a, I don't know, 
their character, the characters in a show continue on in their life. Who doesn't want to see like a well-written, another author can take over another character and make it, if they write well, make that character the same, you know, make that world the same because other authors take over other authors series, especially in television. There's different writers. Like, I don't know why I was thinking that, you know? Well, yeah. And in comic books, right? The comic book series is they just continue on with, you know, a thousand different writers in a thousand different directions. And it's kind of like all comic book fan fiction at this point. (laughs) Right. It's like, who cares who syndicated it? Because like, as long as the writer is good, that's, that's how my perspective has changed. Did it surprise you when you encountered fan fiction stories that you considered like really well written? Was that surprising to you? I don't think it was surprising because, you know, given a second to, I, I this is why I seem embarrassed. It's like, I normally think a lot about everything, like in detail, but I just hadn't thought about fan fiction very much. But given the opportunity to think about it, I was like, oh, of course there's going to be good stories out there. There's so much of it. But uh, I have been impressed by many of the stories we've read, just like on an individual level, because authors aren't getting paid for them. There's few extrinsic motivators, and yet there's some amazing pieces of work out there, like a long and detailed and in-depth and really faithful. Yeah, it's incredible how much work and time goes into these stories. And like you said, nobody's getting paid. Nobody has a deadline or, you know, an editor working over their shoulder demanding that they produce these uh, these stories, but they just do it out of love, out of wanting to create something new. And it's it's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm so I'm so thrilled to experience that with you just a little bit as you were talking about it because you know now when I listen to these uh, podcast episodes for your show you can tell in your voice that you're just so excited about whatever you're talking about and, and everything and so it makes me excited with you when I get to uh, to hear these amazing episodes and Della Della tell us about your background with fan fiction because I'm not sure did you read it also when you were a kid and a teenager or was it like something new and recent that you started your involvement with Back when we started the podcast, I thought like, oh, I had never described myself as a fan fiction person. But it's like, the more we talked about different fan fictions and different franchises, I realized, oh yeah, there was that summer where I spent like days looking at live journal stuff about this character. Oh, oh there was that time I got that down that Tumblr rabbit hole and that connected me to this media and that media and that media. And Maude and I have been friends since middle school, so there was a, there was a lot of floppy disk passed back and forth with the... Uh, with different fanfic recommendations on him. <laughs> but I think that after starting the podcast, I definitely have been like more in touch than I was before with, with fanfiction and like more interested in it as a creator community. That is so awesome. You know, I feel like it's hard for me because I've been a fanfiction reader for so long, like 25 years, you know? And so all of the things that I learned about fanfiction, I learned over a 25-year period. I cannot imagine like just getting sort of dumped into the world, the big wide world of fan fiction. And then there's so much to learn. Did it feel overwhelming to you? That's the thing is we didn't get dumped. We had a delightful, well-informed guide to take us through. And that that was what Amato did. Yes. (laughs) True. Yeah, Amato had these insights. Amato's done the research on the fan lore wiki. Uh, Amato likes doing these things in his spare time and tweets about them. Well, not too much. (laughs) I don't know if we thank Amato enough for this, and also for making me love fan fiction again. <laughs> so it really is a, a guided experience with, with Tori and I, with uh, Amato showing us different fan fictions and with the different reasons why they're good and how they're connected to different creators and 
who those creators are connected to and stuff like that. Well, Della, you, you're describing me as knowledgeable, but that's not entirely true. When we started this podcast, I was only really knowledgeable of the late, late 90s, early 2000s anime fanfiction scene, because that's what I had read back in middle school. That's what was on those floppy disks that I handed to you <laughs> with like accompanying text files describing each story and like why like I think it would be worth reading or whatever, like reading what you might be interested too, yeah. in. All very embarrassing. <laughs> and when we started this podcast, I kind of just assumed we would do that. And for the first, like on my big spreadsheet of episodes, I started off color coding things once we got going a little bit about kind of what what broadly they were about. Like, was it anime, fanfic? Was it like American cartoons, like live action, something, whatever, based on a book? And the first eight episodes or so, it's all anime fanfiction. And I, I could have continued in that vein forever. And I could host a podcast just about old Sailor Moon fanfiction that does this exact same thing, and we could go for several more years. No problem. If you make that Sailor Moon and Ronmo one half fanfiction, even longer. But I guess as we started going, for one thing, it seemed clear that you and Tori were less specifically invested in old anime fanfiction than me. And also, I just kind of figured, oh, I, I guess we may as well spread out a little bit. So the first couple of things that weren't anime were episodes 9 and 10, Beast Wars and Gargoyles, because I knew that, you know, Della, those were things that were near and dear to you, and I looked for them specifically. Yeah. And I feel like episode 11, I, I've got my spreadsheet open here, is really where the doors kind of opened, where we read This Deadly Innocence. And that's a really famous old Star Trek fanfic. And that was really the first time that I was working off of more than just, like, my memory or, like, something that we were specifically interested in, because none of us really give a shit about Kirk slash Spock. But I was interested in the fact that this fanfic was, like, so kind of historical, and it was in response to, like, this, you know, specific predominance of Hurt Comfort fanfics in Star Trek fanfic at the time. And it was easy to find a recommendation to it because it was so well-known and because Star Trek is such a huge fandom. It was that episode, I think, that kind of brought to light that a lot of the uh, thrust of the project was discussing what is fan fiction, what is fan right, works, and the fan right. community around it. And more than once, we've come up with the philosophical question of what is fan fiction? And we've come away with, I wouldn't say different, but like maybe evolving answers every time. I feel like the most interesting discussion we had there was when we had to grapple with, what was the Xena fanfic? Uh, Tropical Storm, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. and it, it was this, apparently like Xena fanfiction was where a lot of like female, female romance authors kind of like grew up and then published things. And so there's this whole scene where there's these novels, you know, that are lesbian romance novels that are inspired by Xena and Gabrielle without actually having anything to do whatsoever with Xena as like, you know, a canon, yeah. right, as a continuity. That one had, like, one connection where she has a dream about That's being right. Xena, but really the characters are in a different setting, and they behave somewhat differently because of, they, you know, their different settings. So it's like, are, you know, is this fan fiction, are they the same? Yeah, it's like the characters were inspired by different characters. I think with that one, I ended up saying in the episode that if it was fiction written by a fan about a fandom, then it's fan fiction. I'm not sure how I feel about that definition now, but I, I like the idea. That's episode 37, and I think the final conclusion we came to is if the Xena fan community says it's fan fiction, then it's fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Amato, it kind of sounds like your own personal journey with fan fiction has evolved as well, being part of this project, since you were really only 
well-versed in the anime scene with fan fiction. So it kind of seems like this project has kind of opened you up, too, to different worlds and different genres and different fandoms and things like that. I was thinking about kind of what keeps me engaged in this project. And it's not really the reading of fan fiction, because I barely read any new fan fiction to begin with. I mean, occasionally, but I don't seek it out. I'm barely on AO3. I don't, I don't do much of anything. But I think the real draw for me is the discovery, because when I think about the things that I was into as a kid, like comic books or, you know, role-playing games, I grew up before the internet sales era, right? And so you read a comic and it's like, oh, see this other issue. And then you have to like track it down and maybe, you know, pour through boxes at a comic book convention to try to like get the whole story together. And, you know, sometimes, and you find things all the time that you had no idea existed. And it was the same even with role-playing games where like there was things, there were things coming out, but you didn't really know what existed. And so I would just like go to the used book section with like the role-playing games every time within a used bookstore and like try, see what I could turn up and if anything looked interesting. And even with anime, the time when we got into anime was when it was just kind of showing up on the internet, but who knows what you could find? It was hit or miss. Like there could be a site and who knows what it was hosting and what was available, what the quality of the videos was, what the fan subbers decided to translate, because at that time I did not have any Japanese with which to, you know, enjoy anything raw in particular. Well, that's not true. I remember watching a Sailor Moon musical raw in a tiny RM file because that's the only thing that, that's the only way it existed online at that point. And someone had put that one musical up. And that got me to Sailor Moon musicals for a while, for years. I was in a Sailor Moon musical cosplay group briefly in high school. But anyway, the point is with fan fiction here, and also when I get a chance with things like doujinshi, like Japanese doujinshi, I don't know what's out there at all. And there's all these, you know, people who are putting so much effort into these products that are so obscure, either because in the case of fan fiction, they're kind of, you know, just forgotten about or buried on the internet or never reach a really wide audience. Or in the case of physical media like doujinshi, which are Japanese fanzines, it's just like, how many copies are even going to exist, you know, of something like this fan-made role-playing game about playing a totally normal nuclear family or something like it throughout their daily life, My Neighbors the Yamada style. Or, or this, this doujinshi where it's like Sailor Moon characters in a Phoenix Wright-style courtroom setting. Like, most people aren't even going to know that exists. And... In fanfiction, I'm discovering the same thing where there's the big fandoms and you can find recommendations for the really big fandoms fairly easily. If I wanted to go back and find good Xena fanfics, I could probably find some more, but they would still be brand new to me. And then I'm constantly stumbling on these kind of smaller or less prominent fan communities that have these amazing works. Like, I was so delighted when we had that Rescue Rangers fanfic, just because, I mean, fan comic. Just because, like, who knew that, like, in the Rescue Rangers fandom, there was this, like, no graphic novel-length fan comic that someone threw up online and it shocked everybody and it won all the awards because the Rescue Rangers fan community has awards. I didn't know that either. And, like, in this very specific context, it's very, very well-known and translated into Russian. And it's just so cool to kind of sift for gold. And it's not even, it's not even like you have to work too hard to find something good. Like, it's pretty easy to find something good. You just have no idea what that is that you're looking for until you find it. That's also when we learned that there was a huge rescue range, Russian Rescue Rangers fan community. Yeah, news to me. Yeah, just just bringing that up because uh, we learned all sorts of crazy, interesting things through Abato's cool research. So <laughs> These cool little corners of the internet come to light. It mm -hmm. does. 
You know, it's so funny as we're having this conversation. When I was thinking about how to introduce your group today, I deliberately chose the word crew, and I don't know why I did that. But as you're talking, Amaro, it's giving me like Star Trek vibes. You know, that whole exploration of the universe, going where no person has gone before. I mean, that almost sounds like what you're doing here with your podcast show is you're exploring these tiny little corners of the internet, like you said, and these tiny little corners of fandom. One of the things that I love about listening to your show is your crew is constantly exposing me to things that I have never heard of before in my entire life. But the way that it's researched and the things that you bring to say about them and the people that you bring on to discuss these things are just brilliant. And I come away thinking, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. I had no idea that was a thing, but now I do. So it's absolutely super cool that you're going on this journey and bringing us along for the ride too. I love that. Well, I think I'm outsourcing a lot of the work these days to guests like you, Chaos Blue, because when you came on the podcast for our the A-Team fanfic, A Dark Passage, which was 118, I mean, I knew the A-Team existed. That's about it. I, I think I mentioned on the podcast, like, I'm familiar with the opening through cult popular culture osmosis, and that's really it. <laughs> right, and right. things get more obscure than that. We have people on for series that I have never heard of. And so I'm not only getting introduced to, like, the cream of the fanfic community for that, but the existence of this property or franchise in the first place. Right. Well, it's like when we did our Dark Angel guest. Right. I vaguely remember that show existing, but I went and watched all of it because it's only two seasons. And I was like, whoa, this is really good. And I really liked it. It's like, I think having guests, because we started having guests when, you know, the pandemic started, the shutdown started. Well, we and... had guests before that, but we started reaching out for like way more actively reaching out for kind of internet people we had never met. Right. Much right. more frequently after the pandemic. Yeah. What's this we model? You're the one making all these bridges and these connections. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But like that that makes a motto still like this guide through this universe. I really like that how you describe it as exploration, Chaos Blue, because like I I feel the same way, especially because it's I feel like my own individual journey into discovering fan fiction as well. But yeah, like I don't know this reaching out to other people really brought us into whole new horizons. I think it's changed our podcast quite a bit, honestly. It's weird to think there's other fan fiction podcasts out there that seem like a mm -hmm. weird concept. Amada, when we started, were you familiar with any other fan fiction based podcasts that were positive? Uh, positive? I mean, people enjoying themselves, but well, like, you know. <laughs> what, what, what's the older Harry Potter fanfic podcast? Fanatical Fix? Fan Fanatical Fix, yeah, that's right. Like, they're having lots of fun, but yeah, they're looking for goofy stuff for the most part that's, you know, going to crack them up reading it on air. And they're much less likely to read about, like, a character getting psychologically tortured than we are, for example. Or Chaos Blue, you in particular, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My AO3 tags are all over the place. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, though, yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, I wrote down here in my notes that the rest of us kind of in our little neighborhood, if you will, of uh, fan fiction podcasts, we refer to your show as the OG of fan fiction podcasts because we were primarily used to shows that did kind of like what you said, Amato. You know, it's kind of like for shock value, to make fun of it, to read something goofy that everyone can laugh at. You know, and there's a lot of shows out there like that. But your show doesn't do that. You, your crew is so thoughtful and so 
kind about the way that you go through these fan fictions and you you do read them critically and you do respond to them in an intellectual manner, but it's never cruel. It's never, you know, like crazy. It's so respectful and it's just so interesting the way that it's done. And I love that y'all bring on guests. It's been so much fun to listen to all the different perspectives and see all the different guests. I did listen to that Dark Angel episode a couple of weeks ago with Brianna and it was just so great. I'd never heard of Dark Angel. So now I feel like I kind of know about it because <laughs> I listened to the show and now I know and it was just really cool. So I love this whole like direction that the show has been evolving in. Amato, do you think that your opinions on fan fiction have changed and evolved too as a result of this podcast project? I mean, I think uh, that's a good question. I think when I went into it, I, I pushed this project knowing there was stuff that was really good that for the most part I wanted to reread. And by that point, I had developed, I think, more of a respect for, like, writers and fan writers and amateur writers than I had when I was younger. I think I'm partially redeeming myself for writing fanfic-based MSTings for a few years, where I was, you know, pretty mean to probably kids writing some stories. Not Maybe not as mean as some, but, like, I certainly wasn't, you know respectful i think was the word that one of the words you just used chaos blue and that that was like my main fanfic like contribution to the internet was not even writing them but just you know mostly making jokes at their expense for for a few years in high school and college and so i think as as we've gone along i definitely do want to like tori mentioned kind of treat them like any other literature except that we always have to just say oh and also it's amazing that this person wrote this you know, for fun, distributed it for free, like, and kind of completed. I'm always just amazed that people complete things, right? So like, if anyone writes a thing and finishes it and posts it, that impresses me to begin with. Because if I ever try to write fiction, the few times I've tried, I can't decide that it's done. I, I have to go back and keep fiddling with little irrelevant things and not finish the big important scenes that I'm not interested in writing that are actually necessary for it to be a complete story. And so, yeah, I, th I think just that kind of fundamental level of respect for, for being a writer craftsperson and putting it online. Though, e even then, I feel like I've just got my, my heavy biases. It's like I, I can intellectually appreciate the amount of work that fan artists do, but I don't really care. Like I, if I see a piece of fan art, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And I'll look at it for five seconds. And maybe it's just that I'm more of a book reader than a fine arts person. Yeah, well... That's like the opposite of me, though. I was always looking like all of the fan art sites I could find when I was young. But, you know, I am an artist, too. So speaking of being an artist, Tori, when I was drinking the other day with Della, she <laughs> told me <laughs> that you helped with the art, the cover art for your podcast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I've always loved that it's so colorful and stuff, but I had never blown it up to kind of take a look at what it actually was. And then the other day we were like drunk at happy hour and we were like, what is this? So we pull it up <laughs> and Della was telling us, oh, yeah, this is the room that we used to record in. See, you can see the poster on the wall. I think, Della, didn't you say it was like a Lord of the Rings poster on the wall? <laughs> it's a Legolas poster with uh, yeah. someone had markered hottie with an arrow pointing towards it at some point. Yeah. yeah. Some sister who will go unnamed, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I just did the coloring for that one. Well, and I created the graffiti thing on the wall, but I drew that. But it's just, uh, it was uh, definitely that is a room in Della's 
Yeah, that that's a room from Della's life that she drew. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad thing is, you made that as our new cover art image because we were setting up in that room and it was our new recording space. I don't know how many times we used it before the pandemic, but it wasn't that many. Yeah, because I finished this art like February 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, aspirational at the time, but I think we did record like a few episodes in there. But I think it, I don't know, it's still just really. It's a good picture. I think it's a crappy icon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. We were just talking about this. I was like, I think I'm a good artist, but a, a terrible graphic designer. Because <laughs> it's small the oh. whole time, right? You can't see what's going on. You can't. And like, I mean, I know Della did the line art, but I think I could have done a lot better with the colors to make it like something legible. I just took a picture and literally traced it. So I didn't really add anything. Well, Tori, this was a uh, kind of time consuming project for you. But for a while, you were drawing like little pictures individually for each fanfic that we read to be like the icon for that episode and that was back when we were doing this show weekly too is that right yeah that sounds crazy yeah i feel so silly about those now because i was kind of just using it as an experiment to like figure out how to use i i got like a digital tablet and i i've never been a digital artist and i didn't realize when i started that it was going to be like completely different than using traditional media so a lot of the pictures are like Meh. it still led to one of my favorite pictures of was it one of the power rangers fanfics Della, i was thinking the exact same one yeah <laughs> where it's just a power ranger who's sad like a tears crying and holding a handkerchief up to the helmet itself that where the tears coming up and i guess you have to see it but <laughs> that's lived rent free in my mind ever since it's there it's there <laughs> We, yeah, we used my art as icons for for several fanfics for a while. Oh my goodness. My good. That is so cool, though, that people that can do art are so amazing. I can't draw. Uh, I can't write either. So I'm not a writer either. So any of these things that people can do just amaze me. I get so uh, tickled every time that I get to talk to an artist of any kind because, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, Amato. Like, I think anybody who can finish anything artistically is amazing. You know, because I, I can't. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, you have all, I know we've probably said this before, but you've all been podcasting for about, you know, three and a half years now, which in podcasting years is a long time. And it kind of sounds like y'all are kind of thinking about like just keeping on going with the show. Would that be fair? In my mind, Della's doing the hard work. <laughs> and I all, I've always figured as long as Della's willing to keep doing the editing like i'll turn up something for us to read and talk about and maybe a guest like e even with children i have enough spare mental energy to more or less keep on top of that most of the time in my mind editing doesn't take up too much of my time but do it once every two weeks and as long as amato is willing to do like the actual work of like finding these fanfics and like making these connections with strangers online then I yeah I'll, I'll keep editing i have the time for that so <laughs> so i guess there's your answer yeah. Well, and in my mind, ever since I stopped doing the art, y'all both are doing the work. So all I have to do is <laughs> all you have to do up. is show up and talk. <laughs> yeah, show up and talk. It's like it's becoming my mantra. I show up and talk. I'm Tori. I show up and talk. <laughs> well, like if I can talk like a little bit more seriously about this, I think the fact that there are three of us in this project that have, you know, taken to different things according to our strengths and done it voluntarily has let us like split the load and really made this like sustainable there was a time when we started out for like a year or two where we did do like 
every week and we recorded in person and read long fanfics and at some point that became sort of like untenable i think for, for me that's personally. a lot of work yeah yeah like i stepped back from being a regular host post episode 100 because like reading the fan fiction as an assignment triggered a lot of like academic post-traumatic stress things <laughs> so that didn't leave a lot of space for things i was going through in my personal life at the time mainly like transitioning so since we changed from a weekly schedule to once every two weeks and i stepped back to being um an occasional guest host instead of a regular one i was able to make huge leaps and strides in my own personal life and i forgot what the point was um the point was the podcast was holding you back della <laughs> no, <life>. no. <laughs> it lifts us up where we belong. <laughs> I, I, I think the fact that we're able to uh, split the load, and when somebody has a problem, that it's very, very easy to bring it to the other two, and everyone's always been, oh yeah, that's fine. We can we can take a break, or we can push that off, or we don't ha we don't have to do that. Amada keeps on constantly reminding us that we don't have to do this. <laughs> that we could just yeah. not if it becomes an issue, and that. That freedom has always been nice, I think. Yeah, I, I have friends who, you know, have podcasts that are, like, Patreon-supported and, you know, successful, and people listen <laughs> to them. But we don't have anything of the sort, and so, you know, we don't owe anything to anybody. <laughs> like, we can kind of do whatever we want. We can, like, keep it as relaxed as we want to, and all that kind of thing. We probably should find some way for financial support, but... That's an area we all suck at. <laughs> oh yeah, it's monetization. I have no we have no idea energy. how to do that, and like we've thought about it. our thoughts have, and our discussions have gotten as far as yes, we should do that, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've thought further. Like I've I've seen what it takes to do that kind of thing, and I've just decided I, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, well, it is like what you were also saying though. A motto is we don't owe anything to anyone. I think we never really cared not cared that's the wrong word we've always just thought if people want to listen to us they will right and like i've also thought about self-promotion i've been like we could but then again we just get enjoyment out of doing this and i'd like to add something there i think della in particular when you were talking about this like sustainability of this this whole project has been since i've had two kids right i've had two kids the whole time we've been doing this like my our second kid was born just after and this is kind of, to some extent, a regularly scheduled way that I get to hang out with you two and do something with you two, and have continued to do that even throughout the pandemic and such. And it's just kind of a way, like, it's something that I'm doing with friends, right? And it's been really nice. I've, I've gotten closer to you two over the last couple of years when we've been doing this podcast also than we were yeah. before when we got, got together sometimes, maybe, off and on. Oh, <laughs> it's, uh, that's so sweet. I think that's I the benefit that. to me, too. Yeah. I love that because, you know, that was going to be my next question is why? Why continue this? Because, like, as wonderful as it is, I know, you know, from personal experience that podcasting is a lot of work. It's so much fun, but it's a lot of work. And so I'm always so curious, like, why do people keep doing it? Why keep, you know, <laughs> doing all this really hard work? But it sounds to me from what I'm hearing is that it's a lot of things for your crew. I mean, it's a way for you to stay connected to one another. It's a way to continue exploring the great wide universe. It's a way to keep up learning new skills and learning new things and talk to interesting people. So it sounds like there's a lot of reasons why you would keep going with this project. I love that. And there's one more reason I'd like to mention because I feel like it's such 
It's ir irregular, but such a pleasure when it happens. I used to be much better at trying to find the authors of these fanfics that we talk about and contacting them before we did it. And that's one of the things that has gone by the wayside with, like, pandemic energy and that sort of thing. And now I just do it, and I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I probably could have found this author and let them know we were doing this, whatever. But regardless, when we contact an author and say we want to, like, talk about their fanfic as a book club, or when an author finds it afterwards because I couldn't find them or just didn't find them, almost always they're really delighted that somebody's, like, kind of taking their work and thinking about it and discussing it seriously like this. It's not something they experience very much when you're writing, like, a Smurfs fanfic. Or even the person, like, uh, what was the name of that Gundam Wing fanfic we read? Anatraxis? Yeah, whatever that word was, yes. Is that a real mm -hmm. word? <laughs> yes. He, he found our episode and said, like, look, when I published this fanfic, I got a lot of praise, but I didn't get anybody actually going through it, trying to talk about it in, like, a literary context, and, like, he really appreciated us doing that as well. And it's especially the case when it's things that people have written like 10 or 15 or, you know, whatever, however many years ago, that like, just to hear that people are still reading and enjoying them, e even just that kind of brings a lot of pleasure to a lot of authors, I think. And so when that happens, it's always kind of a, a motivating thing that really I, feels energizing to me for the podcast. And I think recently something that happened that was super cool, super energizing was we talked about an old webcomic we all used to read back in high school, um, 8-Bit Theater. And after putting out an episode talking about it, we had that creator get in contact with us and offered to do an interview, which was cool. Because like now they're, they're an actual like comic book writer, and an adult and professional doing stuff. And to volunteer to come on our crappy little show was super cool. <laughs> yeah, minor celebrity wanted to come on our show. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> that is so super cool, though, because, you know, it really is an act, I think, of all of you kind of putting that love out into the world, because you're right. I think it means so much to creators to have their work celebrated, talked about, given a serious literary treatment like your team does. And especially for people that have spent so much time and energy into the works that they've produced to have people treat it so seriously, especially like you said, Amato, like so many years later, that means so, so much to people. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that people would just be delighted when they find out that you've chosen their works or it doesn't surprise me at all, you know, to hear that minor celebrities want to come on the show just because they're so grateful and happy that people are still talking about their stuff even all this time later. I love that. I think that what you all do is so awesome, so amazing. I have one more question, and then I will let you go for the day. If you're familiar at all with FFM, you know that I, I love to talk about like fan fiction meta. And we've already kind of touched on that here and there the last 50 minutes. But I kind of want to return to that as the last thing that we talk about today. Just fan fiction meta. I wanted to ask all of you individually. So I'll start here with Amato. And my question is, what do you love the most about fan fiction? Why is it worth reading and talking about for you? That's a good question. It's a good enough question that I am trying to think about it right now. You can say pass and I'll uh, move on. To <laughs> <laughs> sure, come back to me. <laughs> okay. Della, do you yes. have an answer for that? What was the question again? <laughs> what do you personally love the most about fan fiction? Why is it worth reading and talking about? I don't know, it's, it's a bit difficult to articulate because like, I could come up with a brainy answer, I think. But when it comes down to it, the parts I love most about reading fan fiction were the things I 
read a fan fiction was just like, yay, that was fun. <laughs> that's valid, though. That's valid. The fun yeah. is part of it. The fun is part of it. Like, it's interesting to me that these characters are jostling around in other people's heads and people are writing stories about them. And for me, it's a little um, validating because, like, I know not everybody has, like, an internal narrator and stuff and it, it has things of different strengths, but there's, I spent a lot of time in my head with different situations, taking things apart, thinking about them, putting it back together, making little, like, stories in my head about how things are going to go wrong for me <laughs> and things like that. And it's very encouraging to see people that have taken these sort of tendencies and have turned them into something of, like, you know, joy, you know, something they like and something they share. And it's just kind of affirming of what? I'm not sure, but just... <laughs> yes! Those moments yes! you come across something and it, and it connects to you and it's, it's amazing. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I love that you bring the word joy because to me, like, that's one of the best things that I love about fan fiction is just the joy of it. And you're right. So affirming, right? So yeah. affirming. That's one of the things that has surprised me the most about like talking to different fan fiction authors is it seems like a lot of us have that penchant. If we're into fan fiction, we're all in our heads, constantly coming yeah. up with like headcanon stories about random shit, you know? And then the fan fiction writers are the ones writing it all down. But it is affirming to know that, hey, I'm not the only one, you know, <laughs> having this rich internal world. And I think in my personal life, I've had a lot of things connected to um, communication issues, like problems getting my words out, stuttering, mumbling, talking too quietly and stuff like that. And the fact that anybody's able to communicate anything is amazing magic to me. And I love it. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Tori, what about you? What do you love the most about fan fiction? Why is it worth reading and writing? and uh, talking about. Oh my gosh. Well, can we just control C, control V with Della's <laughs> answer onto mine? <laughs> just kidding. We can't uh, keep agreeing too much on the podcast. Let's be dynamic, right? <laughs> uh, I know. Well, though, I, I can't expand on that. I mean, I know I said before, like, I came into this whole wide world of fan fiction sort of like, yeah, I, I remember reading some fanfics. I mostly looked at fan art. But like, no, something that really came to light for me was these communities, especially because we read older stuff, you know, um, we're looking at these communities that developed out of this love for fan fiction. And sometimes that's, um, I know that's people who are exposing themselves or not, ex who are, haha, but <laughs> no, I was going to say like exposure, it, it creates more queer exposure because there's, you know, there's slash fic, right? And that's something you know, maybe that was important to me now that I think about it, like having you know, like actual representations of gayness that I could read on the internet when I was like 14, 15, 16. But beyond that, you know, communities for people who like queer is just one good example of it. Communities for people who bond over something and would otherwise feel isolated come together over, especially fan fiction on the internet, you know, someone in a rural town in Ohio is part of a community with someone in a New York and somebody in, you know, southeastern Mexico, I don't even know. People coming together over this stuff in a way that, I don't know, it's really hard to describe. It's just, I've heard so many people talk passionately about the communities involved in their, their fanfic. And Everything Della said, it also that. <laughs> yes. No, I love that because the connective aspect of fan fiction, I think, is worth talking about and worth loving fan fiction over. 
the connection is there because of fan fiction in many cases, and it's the connections that save us. You know, if I could just quickly agree with what Tori said, just like the the fact that like if you're someone who's part of something that's not the norm looking at a piece of media through your lens and knowing there's other people out there who's looking through the same media with like the same queer lens is super, super nice. It's a community for people who don't think they have one normally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll piggyback off that just a little bit and just say that, and Della, you might understand what I'm talking about here, but I grew up in an environment that was very repressed and I didn't have access to these types of ideas when it came to different kind of sexualities and you know, gender identities and things like that. And so I will forever be grateful to fan fiction communities for giving me that exposure and helping me in my own personal journeys through those things. You know, without fan fiction, I would not have had that exposure when I needed it the most. Sorry for going on a little bit of a tangent, but it was a podcast I was listening to about looking at different animation that cracked my egg. (laughs) That made me realize I wasn't wasn't a cis person. And it was through three other people talking about media and discussing it and like the, the, they were talking about the wandering sun anime and some something about the way the discussion worked clicked something in my head i was like oh, oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> but just the fact that like people are talking about it and like knowing these small communities that don't know they they even exist themselves you know and get these ways to reach out and yeah <laughs> yeah just the yeah. fact that those discussions are happening are so important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Amato, you're last here. <laughs> what do you love the most about fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you say. But yeah, chiming on what Della and Tori just said, I'm I'm thinking not just of the, like I mentioned, the Xena fanfic community kind of launching the lesbian romance novel genre, but we read as part of one of our episodes, this zine called Queer Sailor Moon Fan Fiction Saved My Life. And that was in episode 56. And it says a lot of the same things, where, like, this person didn't have access to positive representations of, like, queer relationships, except through this anime and the fandom, especially the fandom surrounding it. But I guess other than those things, I would say the reason the reason fan fiction specifically is interesting is that people can do whatever they want in it. There's no control whatsoever. And that's the same with any kind of, you know, self-publishing writing, I think. But it means that people can not only talk about whatever topics are important to them. We've run into like some really good discussions of like trauma that you don't see in, you know, beyond sexuality, like just kind of trauma and healing in these fanfics that you also don't see very often in other media. And that's combined with like the fact that to write fanfiction, you've got to be thinking about the media that you're writing about. And maybe that sounds really, really simple, but it's like you're not just a fan of it that's processing it and enjoying it, but you're trying to add something or comment on something or oftentimes fix something or otherwise address like things that were in the source material that made the author think about it. And that means it's always really interesting, I think, reading it. Because you're, you're seeing an author's take on a character or on a situation or on a setting or cosmology. Obviously... A lot of fanfic authors are writing to a community who have expectations or wants or, you know, preferences for shipping or whatever. But I'm always kind of especially delighted when we find a really good story that I just don't see the audience for at all. Like, I don't even know who they were writing to. But, like, they were they were processing all these things in their brain and writing something really interesting and enjoyable. And that, like, came out the other end, whether or not anyone was asking for it. And that's something that I feel like I particularly enjoy about fanfiction. 
Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And the freedom of fan fiction for that person to be able to get their perspective and the story that they wanted to tell out into the world without having to go through any publishing houses or get permission from anyone, right? They could just put it out there, whether it has an audience or not. Oh, I love that. That is amazing. Thank you all so much for those beautiful perspectives. We're about to wrap up now so we can all get back to our weekend. Do we have any last words before we close out? You know, I just wanted to add one little thing on the note of community, which is just that, like, there is something that's unique about writing fan fiction, I think, for authors who do have a community, because they know at least in part they're writing to people they already know. So they share more of themselves. And I think that's part of the delight of seeing those sorts of fanfics. Uh, also, you know, it's sort of different than what Amato was saying, but I think you get both. And I think those are so fun. I think you're right, Tori. I think that ties into how people can kind of process all these thoughts through fan fiction. Yeah, because it's not to a nameless audience or a commercial audience. It's to people who they share. Yeah, share something in common. Yeah, That's a yeah. great point. Oh, I love that. Any other last words? This has been so sweet and saccharine. I think I have a cavity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us on and being so so nice to us. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I love you. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Check out the Retro Fanfic Retrospective podcast, everyone. Really quick, Amato, where can people find your podcast for the folks that want to come listen? We are online at bit.ly slash retrofanfic, which just points to our Podbean page. But you should also be able to find us anywhere that podcasts are found published through Podbean and the, you know, we made a name that's kind of hard to remember, but that's Retro Fanfic Retrospective, because I like the alliteration and the double use of retro. <laughs> you can also contact us on Twitter at Retro Fanfic, and our email is retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Check out the podcast, you guys. Again, that's Retro Fanfic Retrospective Podcast. You will fall in love with it, just like I have. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at Fanfic Maverick Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at Fanfic Maverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you all next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. <laughs>